We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And last night, the Boston Celtics beat the crap out of the Miami Heat. An NBA playoff series is kind of similar in, in to me to uh, like a professional boxing match in that you go out. Every round, that individual round is scored, and then you move on to the next round, and you start with a clean slate, right? So Miami spoke of, in the the post-game press conference, kind of feeling embarrassed, and they'll have their chance to get that back. But Darius, in boxing, in most rounds, are 10 to 9 rounds, right? Where the fighter who the judge determines got the better of that round gets 10 points, then the other fighter gets 9. But in some rounds, usually if there's a knockdown... It'll be a 10 to 8 round where the discrepancy in that particular round was so vast that you get an extra point for it. Now, you don't get that in a tangible respect in basketball, but that game to me last night was a 10-8 round for Boston. The big story was Marcus Smart and Al Horford returning and flipping kind of the injury situation from Miami having a one-player advantage to having a to going one guy down. And then in the middle of that game, uh, P.J. Tucker came out of the game, and we're still awaiting the results of the MRI there. So that's one of the weaknesses of a Miami team, right, that doesn't isn't always able to get to the finish line. So – D, that was how I saw yesterday's game was that Boston scored a knockdown. Doesn't mean the fight's over, but it does have, I think, lasting effects into the next game. What did you see last time? Yeah, I think it's a tricky thing because the psychology, I look at a playoff series almost like the psychology of things and who has the upper hand and who carries confidence and for why, Mm -hmm. right? And Boston, whether it was real or not, after game one, they could tell themselves, well, we didn't have two starters. We got our asses kicked because we were down two guys who were integral to our game plan. Now, how true or not that that isn't, right? Because we know Mike's brought up the Game 7 2010 example a bunch like, oh, well, you didn't have Kendrick Perkins. Lie to yourself all you want that that was the reason why you didn't win. 
when in reality, we know that that's not the case. But in this game, going into game two, I thought Boston could, it's not a lie, right? Like Smart is going to be their primary defender against Jimmy Butler. And how well or not Butler does against Smart, I think that that's going to be a tug of war, like very similar to the analogy that I used for the Heat Buck series. But Horford, I think, is interesting, Mike, because he brings size to the equation where Boston wants to play big on their front line. Their natural tendency is to start Robert Williams next to Al Horford, and they haven't really had that look for a lot of the postseason because of various absences, whether it's Williams's knee or Horford being out with the COVID protocols. But that was a key driver to their success over the second half of the season, particularly defensively. And so I'm with you, Pete. Like Miami got knocked down. Now, they're a resilient group, but Boston should rightfully be thinking to themselves now, well, we got home court advantage and We've got our guys intact and Miami, however mentally strong they are and resilient they are, Mike, there's a part of this where I wonder if doubt starts to creep in and how much a guy like Jimmy Butler or Spolstra or Pat Riley are going to be able to push back against that because that's their natural state too. Like, oh, hell no, you're not, you're not pushing me down. I'm stronger than all y'all, at least mentally. So that's sort of where I see things now after two games within this series. Yeah. It pains me to continue to feel this, this realization, right. But ever since about kind of midway through March and maybe even earlier, you know, really kind of around the all-star break, but Boston has been the best team in the league. Uh, they, they were 17 and five after the break with a 12.7 net rating. Like number two was Memphis at 7.6. You know, Miami's a really good team. They were sixth in that time in net rating. And, you know, they, they continue to present problems in series. And so I don't think they're just going to go down without a fight or anything, but I thought that game with fully healthy Boston, Miami just couldn't score. And this is while Jimmy Butler was playing pretty well. And, you know, Jimmy Butler for the game was 11 for 18. He was getting to the rim. He was attacking, got to the free throw line eight times. And who else is there that's that much of a threat? You know, Bam continues to be a big disappointment in this postseason. He had six points. He took six shots. And, you know, Tyler Hero, a little shot in the arm off the bench, but not really. And so, you know, I just I'm still having a hard time finding finding a way that Miami can beat a, this healthy Boston team. Um, you know, I don't want to say more than I think originally I said Boston in six, trying to give Miami that amount of respect. But Pete, I'm curious, like what you're seeing that you think that Miami can go to and where, where this series could turn still. And if, if you're where I am, or if you're still thinking that Miami can win the series. No, Miami can win the series. They'll need their guys. There's not a version of this Miami team that can beat them without Lowry and Tucker and probably not without Lowry at all. So maybe that in and of itself, because we saw in game one when the injury situation was flipped the other way, where Boston was down one guy while Miami was down one guy in, in game two, that that can make a difference. That's one of those things that... Yes, you can tell yourself that a Kendrick Perkins might not make the difference, but when teams are pretty close and you lose 
a guy, especially when you're down to this port of the portion of the series and it's six or seven guys in your rotation, like that really changes things. It means that Peyton Pritchard is on the floor more or Daniel Tice is and all of a sudden you have somebody to, t- to target that you didn't have before. But while Miami had some offensive issues, to me it was way more about their defense and really Boston's offense. Like Spolstra in the postgame was talking like their shot making was nuts. They made – guys, they made – 10 out of their first 12 threes. They were shooting 63% from the three-point line at halftime, 100% from the free throw line. They were like 19 of 19 through the first three quarters of that game. So to me, D, it's more like for Miami to win this series, they need to do it on the defensive end. And to do that, like PJ Tucker's essential if the MRI comes back and he misses time, like there's no version of this Miami team that can pull it out. But there is a version of this Miami team because we saw it in game one that can turn them over a bit. That's, that's a little crisper on their, uh, on, on their rotations. I thought they made a mistake where they were having Deadman show really high. They were blitzing 30 feet from the hoop and that got them in rotation. When Deadman came in the game, Miami was up 21 to 15. They started that game pretty well. And then at the end of that first quarter, through the second quarter between Boston's shot making and Spolster even commented like, when a team makes their shots like that, it gets you out of your habits defensively very quickly. And so there are a few things that that Miami can go to. I do think they're the underdog at this point of the series, especially with the the health issues. But I, I, I don't think that that it's that it's over necessarily, but they do need their guys. So they do need their guys. And to speak to your point about the defense, Pete, I think Boston scored 70 points in the first half. <laughs> yeah. Miami and Boston both have been in like rock fight series. The first couple of rounds, right? And especially last round with what Boston was doing. And game one sort of looked like one of those slugfests until Miami really did start to turn them over in the third quarter of game one. What I'm interested in regarding the defense is it's going to be hard for Miami to play solid, just to be solid and win defensively. They're going to need turnovers. And I thought, Their combination of ball pressure and understanding of how that ball pressure can turn into a turnover, that was a much different approach than what Boston had seen from the Bucs. The Bucs are a solid team. They are a stay in front and we will challenge you team and hopefully you miss. And the closer and closer you get to the paint, the challenges are going to be more and more severe. And you're going to be like, holy cow, there's 15 feet of people just right in front of me right Mm -hmm. now, like ready to take me out. Miami plays a different style. And I thought Boston really struggled, especially without Smart and Horford. Smart's not the most ball security guy, but he is another ball handler. And Horford is. Horford, yeah. Yes. And Horford is a ball security guy. He is their main outlet player like the guy at the elbow they'll run some horn stuff handoff actions Horford's been that his entire career and so losing those two guys especially I think played into that idea of we're a less sure ball handling team and Miami capitalized on that and so on on the other end of the break I'd be very interested to hear from you Pete and Mike about can Miami ramp up their defensive pressure in ways that bothers Boston enough to turn them over more because Miami is a good transition team. And I think that they are going to struggle to score in the half court against a really elite Boston defense. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So what say you both? I'll start because I'm a, I I have, a, I think, a little more faith in Miami, again, if they have their guys. But I think that the big mistake was having Deadman show 30 feet from the hoop. I, and I think the way to guard Boston is to ball pressure them, but in a one-on-one sense and be digging from one pass away and, you know, have, have help from, from the weak side, right. Collapsing into the paint and rotating out. And so, but really that like, keep them in front of you. And, but they like in the NBA playoffs, we, I, I feel like a lot of times when we review a game and it doesn't go the way that we want it to, Mike, we can be like, oh, well, they're not going to shoot 10 for 12 to start a game from three again. And that's probably true, of course. But I also think that in that we can lose the fact that they absolutely did do that and they do have that in them. And I've watched Boston very closely over the last couple of months as they've rose and I've gone like, oh, shit, is this is this happening? And one of the things about them is, Mike, they just every few games, they have a game where they just go nuts from three and they hit contested jumpers over the top of contests. And I think that has a dispiriting effect too. that that what Spolster was uh, speaking to in the postgame where it's like, yo, we did everything right. Like I watched their their threes and you know i rewatched the the game last night's game and in that first quarter they hit i think four threes that were just like hand in your face good defense you're not in any rhythm or anything like that the ball isn't swinging it's just like knock down a tough shot give credit where credit is due and that is something that boston can get to and that to me puts them in like 
they can hit a height that nobody else can hit when they're playing like that. I just think that that is a little that can come and go for them and getting them out of that is Miami's biggest challenge. Yeah, it's there are some games where the other team just hits you know ridiculous shots. And I'm thinking like game one against Portland in the Lakers 1920 run and the Blazers are hitting I shouldn't say like they didn't go crazy in that game, but the Lakers couldn't hit anything. Yeah, it was more that. Yeah, it almost made it seem like when Portland was hitting some of those shots. But you you could you could feel in that game that it was going to correct itself right by game two. And and I think that was something that was discussed internally. It was something that we were discussing, like on the broadcast, like that's not happening again. Like the shot quality the Lakers are getting is terrific. And I don't think the the shot quality in this series so far it's hard to judge game one again because of the guys that were out for Boston. But I, I've just felt like Boston is a, they can get, they have more guys that can hurt you um, mm-hmm. on offense than Miami does. And then I just don't see a real defensive weakness for the Celtics, which means that Miami has to find, you know, these opportunities. Like I think Van Gundy said, they're just, they're going to have to turn Boston over and get up and down in transition because they're just not going to be able to score consistently in the half court and to me that is the series like if you if you're having to rely on creating turnovers and then getting out and running like that's that's not enough because that doesn't happen you that's not going to happen the majority of the time that you're going to just win that battle for sure by ramping up pressure because there are outlets and solutions to that kind of pressure Mm -hmm. Uh, and and so that I'm still kind of right back in that lane where hoping that Miami can somehow find a way but just not thinking that they can yeah, offensively, in, in order for that to be rectified, that's part of why Lowry is really important in that they played in March, and I believe the final score of the game was 92 to 86, Miami versus Boston. In Boston, and Miami won that game. And so it's this low-scoring game that I thought was kind of a perhaps a harbinger for what this series would look like. And it hasn't been that, but part of that, Lowry had 23 points in that. And part of why is Boston, when they go really switch heavy, the moment where two players switch is a vulnerable spot in a switching defense. And so Lowry's ability to catch and he loves shooting while going to his left, but he hit a lot of those shots at that like moment of the switch type of point to that. They don't really have a guard. Actually, Gabe Vincent played very well. He was like him and Jimmy were the two guys that played well in last night's game. But having another guard who can hit jumpers and and exploit kind of like the weaknesses of switching and and like Boston obviously is a phenomenal defense, but there are weak points there too. But yeah, Mike, I, I, I like you need your guys. It's yeah, yeah. That's there's no there's no arguing. You always need your guys. And and I the Lowry thing for me. So I had Lowry on one of my fantasy teams uh, and followed him very closely. And he only scored over 20 points from March on three times. And in all three of those games, he had six threes, you know, so Mm -hmm. it and that's he just he has slipped um, some, whether it's for injuries or whatever is going on. So I just don't I don't see Lowry as the kind of guy that, that is at this point where he's at right now, physically, even before he hurt the hamstring. Um, I haven't seen him be that impactful it, you know, and in Boston, by the way, didn't have Derek White um, last night. So they were playing right. a couple more guys off the bench. But yeah, I, I, I've just I've been a little bit down on Lowry's production lately. And therefore, I don't think that even if he comes back healthy, I don't I don't see that being a major change in the series. That's interesting. I don't see Lowry's individual production as being the key to why he's important for the heat. I would argue that that's the case for a guy like Vincent or a guy like Struess, because their shot making is so integral to what they provide in terms of like value to the team. It's why they play. 
It's why Duncan Robinson is not playing. It's because he's basically Strew shoots about as well as he does, but he's a much lesser defender. And so then you're taking things off of the table and the playoffs is when you need things on the table as much things as as possible, which brings me back to Lowry. Lowry doesn't take a lot of things off of the table. And the things that he adds are things that I think are integral to what makes the Heat successful and why they were the number one seed over the course of the regular season. He creates transition opportunities in ways that aren't just dependent on live ball turnovers, especially steals and whatnot. And so I agree with you, Mike, that Lowry shooting is something that could put you over the top in any given game. And if he hits four, five, or six threes, Miami's basically almost guaranteed to win that game. There would have to be a lot of other things that went wrong for that, for offensive performance like that from Lowry to not lead to a win. But the things that I would be looking for from from Lowry is just allowing them to be a little bit more organized and potentially open up some things for Bam. Because as you said, Mike, Bam has been the guy who has been disappointing. And I've been impressed with what he can do defensively but he's not rebounding as well as he needs to rebound and there's and he's getting bullied and sandwiched a lot down on the glass in ways Mm. that are problematic for Miami and so even though Lowry isn't this big player and this athletic guy he is someone who's going to use his body and he's going to leverage his physical tools in ways that that I think help up the physicality for the Heat in ways that they need against a Boston team that wants to play smash mouth basketball. Those are really good points. The The only thing I wanted to add with Lowry is I mentioned the shooting and the six threes he made just because in that game, when they beat Boston in Boston, like he did yeah, hit the six threes, right? To get mm-hmm. to 23 points and they needed it. And that's all like I Lowry, of course, yeah. is going to help you. But I just don't I didn't see that part of it as being sustainable um, as in like you you need because he's a he's not a great shooter. You know, he's uh he can sometimes get hot like that. But it's tough to depend on that while, of course, he helps the overall team uh, defensively, organization, all that. Mike, I view him offensively in particular as having a similar role as Marcus Smart does for Boston. Like one of the things that Jimmy was saying in the post game was that, hey, I need to do a better job of getting my teammates involved. I've got to do part of Kyle's job. And he was the leading assist guy. I think is I think Lowry averaged like seven assists or so for them. And that's part of that, like that ball movement to beat a team like Boston. You need one of the reasons I really like Miami is they've got four really legit playoff performers between Jimmy. Uh, Bam is very good, but he's dependent upon others to create for him. So he's not like a classic number two type score. But between Lowry and PJ Tucker, those are four guys that like really they have a great pedigree in the in the playoffs and you've got a number of other guys that can fill in that fifth spot and so for me dude like lowry is a guy that helps slot jimmy butler appropriately helps put bam into ball screen actions where it doesn't just have to be jimmy that's running that they've actually had a lot of their best success with jimmy as the role man in this series and setting the screens and so some two-man game with lowry and jimmy that's again I agree with with your point, Mike, that like Lowry is not some like big star that's missing from the series. But I do think that he helps slot guys appropriately on the offensive end in a similar way that Marcus Smart did that ended up leading to a great performance for him. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'd actually like to talk a little bit about Smart. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Smart is a, a bit of a wild man. And he had one of the better, he was like, I don't know, like five for 17 at some point and was phenomenal. Their first bucket of the game, they ran a span pick and roll and smart drives to the basket and he's driving hard. And it's very obvious, like he's driving to pass. He wasn't at the end. He was kind of falling out of bounds. And Bam was the guy who had the one defending two on the weak side. And he sells out hard to the corner because Smart is driving so fast to the hoop. He's flying out of bounds. And he sees, Smart sees Bam taking the commit hard to the corner and throws it a a beautiful pass across his body to Jalen Brown, who's wide open on the wing, who's the other guy that Bam had responsibility for, who he didn't think Smart could get the ball there. And so... His level of passing, one of my big uh, questions about Boston has been their ball handling, their ability to create. And I thought Smart really filled that that point guard role. He only had one turnover for as wild of a player as he is. And Lord knows he had a couple of shots that were adventures and all of that. 12 assists, too. 12 assists and one turnover with his type of style of play against a Miami Heat team that didn't certainly didn't play their best defense, but um, talk to me a bit about Marcus Smart, because I thought that he, in that whole spirit of slotting guys appropriately, I thought his presence made a lot of things happen for everybody else. Wait, you're going to make me say nice things about Marcus Smart? <laughs> you don't have to. I'm not making you do nothing. No, is that this part of the pod, the, the praise Marcus Smart do part? Do you want me to start so you have another couple minutes to just look, process look, areas? I, I'm going to defer to Mike here. It's funny, <laughs> though, because what game was this? This was um, this was this was a couple of weekends ago, and I was at a friend's house, a college buddy. He's got twin boys, and they turned nine. So we're there, we're watching basketball. We're in the Bay Area, and so we're mostly worried about the Warriors game that's going to be on later. But the score for a Celtics Bucks game flashed up, right? Because the game had just ended. And my oldest daughter, who's 10, she didn't say, oh, Milwaukee won. She said, the Celtics lost. Yes. Right. Nice. And so my buddy, who was my college roommate and the best man at my wedding, he looked at me and I just said, that's right. The Celtics lost. Like, I've raised my kids correctly. And so <laughs> we're watching these games and... She can't stand Marcus Smart. Like, I I don't know what it is. I, I haven't 
told her to not like this dude. Yeah, this is Smart. developed on her own. This yeah. is just her own aesthetic preferences for who she likes as a basketball player and and who she does not. So indeed, her father's daughter. And so I will pass this on to Mike to talk about Smart. Smart's been excellent, but please, Mike, fill us in on all of the sublime qualities of Marcus Smart here. Well, first of all, shout out to your oldest daughter and yes. also shout out to your friend you know that i like some twins so um respect that now yeah i i won't give you all of the pretenses i'll just try to talk about marcus smart so i i love a i love a, a five-man unit that can have a quote-unquote point guard like that that's just that can be a monster defensively and it gives the coaching staff such a luxury in terms of what they can do. No no worries about getting targeted or switching or everything's on the table. And and that's just with somebody like that's what let's say when LeBron was playing point guard and you have, you know, KCP and Danny Green, for example, it's same type of thing. So it doesn't have to be or as one of you just mentioned in the chat, uh, Alex Caruso, right, who can quote unquote be in there playing point guard, but he's really not the guy on on that team that's breaking down the defense and that's responsible, even though he can at times, you know, but so I just, I love that makeup and it's not new. Phil Jackson used to do this with the Chicago Bulls and with the LA Lakers um, at, at times. So mm-hmm. the Showtime Lakers, right. With Magic Johnson, quote unquote, like playing point guard. And what did that, that so it just makes your team huge uh, in a way. And yep. not that smart is huge, but like smart, for a point guard relative to the rest of the NBA. So that that right there, I'm already a fan of, just that makeup. And then it took him a while to figure it out this season, like because then Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and who's got the ball the most? And so it did take some time, but once they got it, it really clicked in. And, and so that's just where I'm going to start with that point. Yeah, and that's something that they really fought through, those types of, uh, you know, uh, those types of dilemmas. But smart has become one of those guys, D, that can get you 12 assists and yeah. one turnover in a high-level playoff game. And so that, to me, was what stood out. Like, he's been a, an excellent defensive player that obviously won Defensive Player of the Year this season and has been that gritty dude. He was a guy I loved at Oklahoma State. Um, but he, like... The ability to make that pass. And then the second play of the game, he had a nice lob to Robert Williams in a like semi-transition yep. type of opportunity. And he was responsible for their first five points and created good looks for a lot of different players. That ability, that like not just I'm going to defend and hopefully knock down spot up threes. That's the the thing that I think makes him there when Marcus Smart is playing well, you're not going to beat them type of team. Uh, and so that just that stood out to me like he was creating some great shots for them. What I will say about Smart, and this is, I think, his evolution as as a player, is if you go back in the archives of any Celtics fans tweets or podcasts or anything, you'll find a lot of frustration around Smart, around his idea that like he saw himself as maybe having a bigger role offensively than what he probably should have, right? A little Dylan Brooks-ish, like in yeah, the same just, family. Just yeah. a little bit like, oh, I'm ready to take the big shot, pass it to me. And like these random games where, oh wait, Marcus Smart took seven threes? Like why? 
He took 22 shots last night. He yeah. was by far their leading shot taker. Yeah, exactly. So there is an element of that to his game that I think has always been maybe a point of contention for diehard Celtics fans. And if you go back 10 months, they were probably ready to trade him. And Mike? and those Celtics fans would be idiotic uh, to me because there are a lot of players in the league that play like that offensively. And then they just go stand in the corner on defense because they because I'm a bucket getter. And that's but no, nope, yep. that's not what he does. He yep. works his ass off every possession mm-hmm. defensively. So what I was going to say about smart in terms of offensively is one of the things that they tapped into is you matter for us offensively now in a way where like, no, you're our point guard. Yeah, there is a decision making now that we're putting on you and there's a burden that you carry when you were the point guard and smart, I think has embraced that in a way that he probably hasn't had to embrace because that wasn't his role since he was in college. Right. And so when you talk about Pete, that idea of like, Oh, I loved him in college. It's because like, Hey, he did all of this defensive stuff, but he was also like a pretty big on ball player offensively. Yeah. And totally fearless. That had, that had to make a lot of decisions for for his team. And over the course of his career, he has not been that for the Celtics, right? There's always been another point guard. Even this season, even though he didn't start, Schroeder was a guy who took a lot of possessions off of the table, right? Because he was the guy who, like, fashioned himself as the team's point guard. And it's no coincidence to me that not because Dennis is, like, an addition by subtraction guy or anything like that. He just, when they removed him from the equation and they gave Smart, like, no, you're our point guard now. You organize things. I think it put everything into place appropriately, and it allows you then to live more with the idea of, all right, well, you can take 20 shots in in a game, and that's going to matter less because like Tatum is now slotted appropriately as like your main sort of like offensive hub guy, and Brown is slotted better, and all of this stuff just clicks now. And then on the defensive side, he is just one of those dudes that you want on your team from a defensive standpoint, antics and all, right? And so he is a major sort of like bait you into flopping. I thought he got into Giannis's head by the end of, of that series. Like, oh, this dude is on me. I got to like tippy toe into the paint now because he might fly like fly backwards. But meanwhile, if I do back into him, he is just forearm shivering me in the back. Every single time, right? And so Smart's just one of those those dudes. If he's on your team, like Mike was saying, from a defensive perspective, you love him. And offensively, he has grown into a role where it's just like he's found his equilibrium to a certain extent. And I think on nights where he doesn't have it, that they have the option to just emphasize him less, right? So that's something that with that type of player, he's going to have a great deal of volatility and he's going to have a game like this, but there's a good chance there's another game in this series where he says it's Marcus Smart time. And I think it was what game five of the series before against Milwaukee, where he kind of commandeered a couple possessions down the stretch and my and Milwaukee stole the game that they shouldn't. And so that's, you know, that's the flip side of it, Mike, but all in all, especially if that guy's like your third or fourth best player, those guys, you can go away from them in ways where if you have to rely on them then that kind of that's a little bit over their head of what they're capable of 
Yeah. So, the, so I guess the looking forward now into this series, right? Smart and especially his being healthy and Lowry not, even though if Lowry might be able to come back next uh, next week, that's a an advantage spot where Miami had to have the advantage. You know, and yes, because they're they're not going to have it as much in uh, around the rest of the roster, uh, just given what the talent level is. And so to have to have smart, have a 12 assist, one turnover game, even on a night where he wasn't efficient, because since you know what you're going to get defensively is is tough uh, to overcome for Miami. Moving forward. It is to me like, okay, Tatum and Jimmy are going to almost can't cancel each other out. The guy I'm looking for is Bam still. Like they need something from him from an individual shot creation standpoint that like, especially if Lowry doesn't play, like they need him to basically be one of those dudes that can get you 15 to 20 points and still maintain defensively. Um, I'm not sure, Pete, if Bam has that in him against this Celtics team, but I feel like that's what they need. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking at the other end of the floor. Like there's no, again, there's no version of this Miami team that is going to beat uh, this Celtics team in games that are in the 110 plus range like they give up 127 points and a 70 point first half until that's addressed that's something that like they're I'm less concerned about the offensive stuff they do have things you know they do have things they need to focus on on that end but to me Boston's a team that you need to be able to switch with size with and they've really been targeting Deadman and Hero I'm curious if Deadman stays in the rotation they tried to give Robinson some minutes and see if they could get anything out of that I don't think that's really something that they can do but I think stretching guys like Caleb Martin's minutes um, Oladipo what's funny is if you look at you know their starters like guys like Struess and Oladipo, they were like minus three, minus five. Uh, Vincent, you know, their starters played quite well against Boston, but the game got out of hand very quickly as soon as they go to the bench. And so figuring out the bench defense, especially what to do if you're going to have Deadman on the floor, do you go in the deep drop the same way that the Bucks did when Lopez was on the floor? And it's less essential because Deadman's less essential to them than than uh, Lopez was to Milwaukee. But figuring out like those bench defenses, especially, is where like I think they have some options, more options on the offensive end than other people do. I think, but on the defensive end, that's the and I, I think really think they need to shore up. Just, so just two things on that. So that second group defensively, I think it gets a little tough now because Oladipo is getting the minutes and oftentimes either alongside Hero and you got two of those guys on the court and, you know, you're not getting much there. And then mm-hmm. I, I agree with you on your Deadman point. I, I thought I thought his minutes were particularly bad. I mean, he played he played five minutes in the first half and had he had a club trillion. He had zero anything um, except for a minus uh-huh. 14. And then, you know, Caleb Martin, who I I actually like some, you know, he came in, but he's, you know, compared to Boston's wings, you know, he's smaller, even though. And so he didn't he wasn't really able to impact much. And he was a minus 13 in the first half. So um, I but part of that, part of all those minuses, though, too, Pete, were what you started earlier in the podcast when Boston hit every single shot, including all of their contested threes. And so that would have softened the bleeding. I, I just wanted to add on Darius's point about Bam. This is where I think they're still such a distinction between Bam and AD. And I think that during the regular season, you know, with AD out and injured and the Lakers struggling and Bam playing pretty well and Miami is the number one seed, there there was some of that talk is, okay, yeah, look, Bam is this kind of a guy. And on defense, 
he is, even if AD still yes. has that extra level. But on offense, it's just not even really close. No. And Bam can't get into the spots that he wants to get into against a defense like this that's that good. AD, AD can just get the ball face up, go right through you or right over you. You, you got to follow him or he's got like – that's that to me is such a, a major uh, and same, same with Giannis like Giannis is like AD in that sense and that's why Boston struggled with them and they almost lost that series because you can do anything you want to build your wall defensively but if a guy's got that stuff then you know it's it's not no defense can really stop that at least consistently and and that's where I don't know where Bam goes you know I don't with what his current skill set is and I suppose going to try to scheme some stuff up I'm sure but that's what's one of my worries about how Miami uh, you know what Miami has to deal with in this series yeah I'm less relying on Bam to be a big individual scorer and if if you do it's going to be off of the creation of of someone else so maybe Jimmy D, D maybe Jimmy who only had three assists in this game takes more of a point guard approach it sounded like that's where his mind was going in the post game interview and that's something that can help unlock Bam but like Mike says he's not just a guy you throw the ball to and be like score on Boston it's not going to happen yeah that's going to be tough and that's why I emphasize transition and Lowry and all of these other things. I still think it could be a long series, but Boston is definitely favored at this point. And so we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I've been wondering what circle of basketball hell we're condemned to. And uh, yeah, it's looking worse and worse. All right, y'all. Everybody have a good weekend. Let's hope that Miami pulls one out on Saturday. We got uh, Golden State in Dallas tonight. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bat next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Bryant, unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.